while you're standing in this moment of, in this posture, don't lose it. Because my friend Josh Bingle, who's gonna come share the word today, is uh, first and foremost, probably one of my best friends. And uh, we met each other many, many years ago. Um, he preaches like nobody's business. Um, he has one page of note and three sentences and I hate him for it. Um, but seriously, he's building a great church in Spokane, Washington. Spokane, Washington, come on. He's been there, they're getting ready to celebrate 12 years, 12 years of ministry and faithfulness there. Um, Josh has a beautiful way of communicating God's word. Uh, I kid you not, every series that we've done in this church for the past couple of years, ever since I met Josh, he's one of the first guys I call to do a couple things. One, to make sure it sounds okay. Um, and then that I'm not preaching heresy. That's the second one, right? And uh, so we battle and rattle all kinds of things off of each other. He's such a good friend. He holds me accountable. He loves my family. He loves this church. He loves you guys. He is not a guest. He is family here. Would you do me a massive favor? Would you give honor where honor due? And can you welcome my friend, Pastor Josh Bingle? Oh, man. Oh, man. Y'all didn't come to play. Come on. Praise God, Well Church. Come on, he's here, he's here, he's here, he's here. Y'all didn't come to play. Y'all didn't come to play. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all did not come to play. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 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 There's nothing better than you, Jesus. Nothing better than you. Not one thing. Speak to us this morning, Holy Spirit. We're here, we've come to receive. We've come to receive. In Jesus' name, Jesus. Thank you, Father. It's, it's wonderful to be, um, you guys can grab your seats if you like. It's wonderful to be at a place where um, the, the presence of God and the power of God is so um, fostered and desired. I love the way Pastor Jason said it, that it's your fault. It's your fault. Because where people show up to worship and to honor and to glorify God, God is faithful to show up. God's, God is moving, and, and I believe by his word, he's gonna keep on moving in Jesus' name. Uh, I come from, like Pastor Jason said, the great state of Washington, and get to pastor a church called Genesis Church with my wife, Carly, and we have two kids. We have Solomon, who's five, and Ruth, who's three. There they are on a beach day, and then my wife is with child, and we're having another little boy, little Ezra. Little Ezra boy, the kids call him Ezbro. Little Ezbro, easy. He's coming in September and we can't wait. And I love your pastors, I love your house. This is, this is family. And I'm, I, I get to go around to a few places and preach and there are, just some, there are just some places that you go where it makes me think of um, how Jacob, he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And it's, it's uh, a testament to who you are and to who your leaders are. Um, that this is a place that God wants to be on a Sunday morning. 
your leaders are steady, um, you're faithful. I love you guys so much. I love your kids. They drew me a picture of me preaching today and gave it to me. <laughs> love your kids. And they're like, we're going to some, I'm like, I'll see you guys, I'll see you guys later. Thank you for the picture. Um, but yeah, love you guys. Erica, you're steady, you're fun, you're funny. You make me laugh. I feel like you're like my sister. We can just poke at each other and rib each other and it's just fun. And Jason, you preach like a beast and I love your brain. I love your brain, I love your brain. He's got a good brain. He's got a good brain on him. But he's not so cerebral that he's stuffy. You know, some people are like, wow, that was a really good message. And it's only because you're just so confused. It was like over your head, like, wow, it was deep. It was just bad, but you said, that was deep, wow. But you have an ability to take deep truths from the word and, and, and put, put the cookies on the bottom shelf, as we say in preaching world. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for being great leaders. Can we honor God for, the, for, for your leaders that you have? Hey, if you don't have a home church, if you're just looking, you found you a good spot. So we about to do it, 37 minutes. Ready, set, go. I'm gonna tell you a few things I believe about you and then what I believe about the word because what you believe about something determines how you approach it. And so what I believe about you is that you did not come here to hear a TED talk or to hear my thoughts or like, I wonder what this guy thinks the world is like. You came here, what I believe about you, because that's gonna determine how I approach you. What I believe about you is that you came to hear from the spirit of the living God through his word. That's what I believe. So I'm gonna preach that way, that you came ready and you came hungry and you believe that God speaks to you through his word. A.W. Tozer, that's what he said about the word of God, that the power of it is not that it was spoken, but that it is still speaking to us today. And so God's talking as long as we listen. That's what I believe about you. Here's what I believe about his word is that it is powerful and incorruptible seed. Yeah. I didn't make that up. That's what it says about itself in case you didn't know. In fact, it says that it is, it's so surgical that it can even discern between the bone and the marrow and thought and intent. You're like, you're gonna like cut my bones? Oh, no, that was like the innermost thing that they knew of. And it's them describing, here's how surgical the word of God is. That it can even discern between thoughts and intent. Maybe things that you're wrestling with, you intend toward God, but your thoughts are all over the place. The word of God knows it and surgically comes, pow, hits you right where you need to be. That's what I believe about you. That's what I believe about the word of God. And so... We about to go. I come from a church that hollers at its preacher and it is much like this. And I like it. Preaching is a team sport. Here's what we say. The preach back is not more holy. It's just more fun. If you think church is boring, try the preach back. I don't know if you think this church is boring, but just try it. Just take it for a spin. There's a husband in here that's going to go, amen. Your wife's going to be like, that's the most engaged I've seen you in church in 17 years. Hey, if you're taking notes, uh, we're gonna be in Luke chapter 24 and Mark chapter one. And the title of the, the lesson today from our text um, is I'm taking care of it. Somebody say, I'm taking care of it. I'm taking care of it. I wanna talk to us today about something that's probably um, in your brain, it's in your airwaves, it's on your mind. I wanna talk to us about self-care. Can we do that? Can we do that today? You are only as good to your family 
as you are healthy. You are only as good to your employees as you are healthy. You are, you are only as good to your future, as good to your friends, as good to, you are only as good to them as you are healthy. And we need more people who are whole. We need wholeness in the halls of government. We need wholeness in our classrooms. We need, we need wholeness in our group texts. And the church said, amen. Some of y'all been had those muted for a long time. I'll give you permission to leave dead text threads this morning in Jesus' name. We need wholeness in our marriages, wholeness in our friendships. In fact, this is one of the first things that we teach in our, in our leadership school is before you can lead others, you gotta know how to lead yourself. You will never effectively lead others until you diligently lead yourself. And I want to be whole because I got responsibilities. I want to be whole, not just for the sake of being whole. I want to be whole because, because I got a wife who wants to enjoy me. And I got kids who scripture tells me are little arrows that I'm raising to release into this world as weapons in the hand of the Father. And so I, I, need, I, need, to be, I need to be whole as much as I possibly can. I, I need to be whole because I got employees who are banking on me being whole and not making rash decisions in an emotional moment. I got team members that need me to help them see the way forward in wholeness. There's a desire in you to be whole. There's a desire in you I, I bet, I would wager a guess that there's at least some of us in here who at one point, maybe even in the last three months, maybe the last three weeks, maybe the last three minutes, who have said, I am done just being stressed and anxious and feeling overwhelmed. And I just want to be able to walk forward in confidence and diligence and effectiveness. So we're gonna talk about being whole. I'm taking care of it. Somebody say, I'm taking care of it. I'm taking care of it. Luke chapter 24, there's this curious text. This is after Jesus has been crucified. He descended to the dead. He took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And on the third day, he rose again. Shout out Easter Sunday. Okay, so that's where we find ourselves in the text right here. Luke 24 says, on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. When they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. He got up. I grew up in old Pentecost. Like we just put Clint Brown and Donnie McClurkin and the first beat I learned how to play was a 12-8 shuffle on the drums. Let's go. That's how gospel I am. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. When they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. He got up. Uh, chapter, verse four. While they were perplexed about this, it's one of the reasons I love the ESV because it says words like perplexed. While they were perplexed about this, 
behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. (laughs) And verse five is like one of the most no-brainers. And as they were frightened, yeah, duh, showed up to the tomb. They're gonna like take care of the body. The stone that no person could roll away was rolled away. There's no body. And there's just two angels like, hey, I know you, you're like, I'm so familiar with the presence of God that that would not freak me out. But yeah, you, it's, they were frightened. Who talks like that? Nobody, Josh, keep going. Okay, as they were frightened, they bowed their faces to the ground. And the men said to them, and this is a fascinating question. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? That is a stunning question. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? It would make logical sense that Jesus was where they buried him. According to my natural intellect and everything I have known about my life, it would make sense to go there to find Jesus. The only problem was he pulled the greatest whoop-de-doo in the history of humanity and he wasn't there anymore. So they were looking for the living God. They were looking for living things. They didn't even know that he was alive, but they said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? A stunning question. Which makes me ask this question that I'm gonna ask us because what we want to be is whole. We want to be whole because we have responsibilities and we have friends and we have family and we have futures and we wanna be whole and we wanna live clear headed. But is it possible, I'm asking us to consider this, based on this question, why do you seek the living among the dead? Would you be willing to consider the fact that maybe you are looking for the right thing in the wrong places? I'm just asking you to consider that. You guys did a series last summer called I Pity the Fool. You guys remember that? It's the coolest graphics package in the history of the world. Pity the Fool. It was about the book of Proverbs. Book of Proverbs is wisdom for life. And Proverbs tells us that there are two voices crying out in the town square. One is called the Lady Wisdom. And she's nice and we like her. And she's shouting out in the marketplace and she has prepared a meal. Scripture says that she is calling to all you who are simple, come and sit with me and let me teach you. And she's prepared this, it's a beautiful meal with the best food and the best drinks. And she's inviting all these people in, but there's another lady who is screaming out in the same market. And she is called the Lady Folly. And she sounds a lot like the Lady Wisdom. And in fact, she has prepared also a meal, but the meal is poisoned. This is what Proverbs tells us. And she has also put out great drinks, but they're spoiled and they're rotten. And she has fun people around the table, but their conversation, Proverbs says, only leads to hell. So we got the Lady Wisdom and we got the Lady Folly and it is incumbent upon us as blood-bought, fire-baptized sons and daughters of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords to spend our lives trying to discern the difference between the Lady Wisdom and the Lady Folly. And so when I started hearing about all this self-care stuff popping up, there was things in me that was like, yes! And it's become, it's become uh, you know, forefront in, in, in the modern mindset. 
But as with anything that comes to us, any new idea, we should test it by the word of God. And so I start hearing some of this stuff and, and, and I got some questions. Taking care of it. How do I care if I'm taking care of it? How do I, is it possible that that desire in you to be whole and to be well and to be fun again and to laugh and to cry and to feel things? Is it possible that the enemy also knows that God-given desire in you and is presenting a counterfeit to you that could never deliver on its promises or fulfill the needs in your soul? It's a question I got. I was reading something on the internet the other day and it said, um, the most important relationship that you have is the relationship with yourself. And people were like, oh yeah, amazing. It's like 12 A's and 15 I's, like yeah. And they're just resharing it. And I'm like, I think I know what you're saying. But anything that points me to self before it points me to the cross, I should be suspicious of it. I'm not saying ignore it. I'm saying maybe ask some questions. Okay, 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 okay. Because I want to help us because there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. God, God, there is nothing better than you. So when we say self-care, I got some questions like, like, what do you mean when you say that? And maybe even which self are you talking about? Because maybe you didn't know this or maybe you forgot. You actually have two natures at work um, on the inside of you. And I, I got a, a diagram to help us. Um, um. You like that? I made that. <laughs> didn't even need the graphics team. I was like, circle, circle, words. Take that. Talking about self-care because you want to be whole. And you want to not be laying your head on the pillow at night and your heart start beating fast because you're thinking about the people you have to see the next day. And there's something being sold to us that if we just care for ourselves, like if I just do me, and then whatever else I have left over, I, I pour out to other people that you're gonna be better. The problem is that's just antithetical to scripture. In fact, paradoxically, Proverbs says that he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. It's this crazy mystery in the kingdom of God. So I got this question, we're talking about self. Which self am I, am I talking about? Because I'm, I am born into this. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> I'm born into this one, this flesh nature. I have two natures at work on the inside of me. This is the duality of us on this side of eternity. Until the day of judgment when I am glorified and I finally put away my flesh nature, I'm grappling with this war on the inside of me. And the wisdom of the world knows nothing about this nature. So I'm not even mad at them because they're trying to do the very best that they can to keep something that is passing away on life support. Wow. 
so, so, so I, I got some questions because, because whichever one I feed is gonna grow. Whichever of my natures I feed is gonna grow. Parents, you know this, you keep feeding them, they keep growing. <laughs> Gardeners know this. Maybe, I don't know, I'm not a gardener. Maybe you don't have to feed things. I think you probably do. It's like sunlight and stuff, so that does the work. But you gotta feed it. Whatever you feed is gonna grow. And whichever of these natures you feed is gonna grow. Here's one of the incredible miracles of the cross is that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, scripture tells us that I was born again and I was given a new nature. A heavenly nature. But, but until... Until I'm glorified with God, until the day where I receive my crown by the grace of God, I finish my race and I hear the well done, good and faithful servant enter into my glory. Until that day, there's a wrestle. That's why I ask, which self are you talking about? Because much of what is being put to me that's gonna bring wholeness, that's gonna bring health, that's gonna bring stability, I wonder it's actually me just indulging my flesh and giving it what it wants. And then if I say self-care, no one can check me on it. <laughs> Sorry, Erica was like, the message pokes a little bit, but it's, but, but it's because I want the same thing you want. I want you to be whole. And there is a counterfeit called Lady Folly that is telling you, just do this, just do this. Come and eat at my table. And you sit there and you eat and you tried all the stuff and you tried all the books and you tried all the podcasts and you tried all the trips. And then you just still felt five days later, you got a little bump, a little dopamine hit and you got a bump, but then you, you were just back to like, I'm still on the hamster wheel. I'm still feeling it. Why is this not working? I wonder if it's because I'm actually just indulging my flesh. And then I said, self-care. And who is gonna challenge you for taking care of yourself? These are the questions I ask myself. And I wonder if we keep running on this treadmill, that if we'll look back in 30 or 40 or 50 years and we will find a group of people who are lonely. Because eliminating things from your life that don't spark joy is like a great way to organize your closet and a terrible way to organize your life. Because some of the best things in life don't always spark. I'm just, I'm just, and the Holy Spirit, he was just, he was like really in, in my grill. Like, hey, do you want to be whole? Which self are you talking about? Because whichever one I feed is gonna grow. And so the message is called, I'm taking care of it because I gotta take care of both of these things. Um, you know, like your skincare regimen where you got like the, the oils and the powders and the serums and the, uh, you know, all the, the big words. And, and like, I went in, I remember when I first got married, I went to my bathroom and I was like, what is this? And there's bottles everywhere. And I'm like, what is happening? 
And it's like, why is that one $374 and it lasts once? Like why, what? But I'm grateful that my wife is taking care of it. I'm, I'm grateful. But that's, but that's what we say. That's what we say when we're like doing this thing and like, oh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm taking care of it. But when the doctor tells me that I have cancer and I go in for surgery and they cut it out, what do I also say? I got cancer, but I'm taking care of it. One of them is being, yeah, 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 yeah. The other I'm taking care of it is cutting it out. One of my natures, I'm, if I really wanna be whole and I really wanna live life in fullness and I really wanna experience joy, and in his presence there's the fullness of joy and I wanna experience peace that goes beyond human understanding, what do I do? I'm, t- I'm taking care of it. But also, I'm taking care of it because I was given a new nature and I put on my new nature and I crucify my flesh. That's still one of my natures, it's still me. We preached a series through Romans chapter seven um, one year called Me Versus Me. Because the apostle Paul in Romans seven talks about these two natures brilliantly. And it's not like young church planter Paul. Romans is his magnum opus. It is, it's the pinnacle of his theology. It's at the end of his life when he is moving on his way to be on trial. He's seen it all. He's planted churches all over the world, been shipwrecked, stoned, whipped, all the stuff. And then he writes Romans. And in Romans seven, he talks about this wrestle. Near the end of his life. And he says things like, with my heart, I love the law of God, spirit. But with my flesh, I don't have the ability to carry it out. Flesh. He's talking about the war between his two natures. Which which self am I talking about? And, and, And he says, all the things that I know I'm supposed to do, I don't do them. Shout out every kid at the altar at youth camp. It doesn't end, kid. Be encouraged. I know what I'm supposed to do. I don't do it. And he says, I know what I'm not supposed to do. I keep doing it. He says, in fact, I found it to be a law that when I take a step toward God, sin lies close at hand. Can anybody relate to the apostle Paul at the end of his life? I like take a step toward God and it's like, ooh, the old me. Hey girl, (laughs) you're still here? She's like, yeah. Which self are you talking about? I'm taking care of it and I'm taking care of it. One of them I'm cutting out and I'm crucifying, and the other, I am, I am being fed by the Holy Spirit because whichever I feed is gonna grow. And if I was the devil, what I would want for you is to give you a counterfeit that promised you the world. And then it would give you everything you never asked for. You know what Eve didn't ask for? To be kicked out of the garden. You know what she asked for? Knowledge. You know what came with the promise of the enemy? Everything she never asked for. I wouldn't ask him for that. Ha <laughs> ha, tricked you. So, okay, so let's, there's the person, 
that by my estimation that had the greatest, most disciplined, most effective self-care routine in the history of the world was somebody named Jesus Christ. You might be familiar with him. You might know who that is. And so, so I'll, I'll, we're gonna go to this next text because I wanna look to him. What I don't wanna do is just be like, here's what not to do. Don't do that. You're like, praise the Lord, now what? <laughs> or maybe this question, how can I know? Because here's what I'm not against. When I'm talking about your flesh nature, I'm not talking about your body. I'm not talking about being disciplined in your eating. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying definitely do that. But is, is there something deeper that we have access to? I'm not saying don't take the golf trip. I'm not saying don't do the spa day. I'm not saying don't run to Napa with the girls. I'm not saying any of that stuff. I'm just saying, if that's where it ends, then maybe we have bit into a counterfeit. How can I know? So glad you asked. What a great question. And as we should, let's go to scripture. Mark chapter one. Mark chapter one, verse 21. And they went into Capernaum. I'm gonna land the plane right here and we are gonna pray our guts out. They went into Capernaum. Who's they? It's uh, Jesus and the disciples. They went to Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And John Mark, who wrote the gospel of Mark, he interviewed Peter. This is Peter's gospel. That's why Peter looks really good in the gospel of Mark, like really good. It's like, if I was telling this story, I'd be like, yeah, leave that part out. <laughs> But like John Mark is like obsessed with the word immediately. It says immediately so often in this text. They, they went to Capernaum and they went into the synagogue and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered and he was teaching. This is Jesus. And they were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately, there that word is again, they, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit and he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent and come out. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. Verse 27 says, they were all amazed. So that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? It's a new teaching with authority. This one hits a little different. It's not, uh, it's not the same seems to, um, what's the word, work. <laughs> and at once, it's the same word as immediately. It's like ESV just got tired of saying immediately. So like, let's go with at once. At once, his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Verse 29, and immediately, <laughs> He left the synagogue and he entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Why is this important? Because this is one of Jesus's places. He had another place that I mean, you, maybe you got a place, you got a, a prayer chair or you got a favorite hike where you just kind of, you just, you just get away to rest. Jesus, he, he, he loved, there was this garden that he loved to go to on, on, a, on a hillside right outside of Jerusalem called the Mount of Olives. And, um, 
it was called the Garden of Gethsemane. And it was like one of his favorite spots. Like he would just go to commune with the Father. But this was also one of his places. It was his friend's house. Are, are you grateful for, for just how like, like ordinary Jesus was at times? In fact, Jonathan Martin argued that not only did Jesus come to take away the sin of the world, he came to show us a new way to be human. That he was the prototype for the new humanity. That he showed us what it looked like to be fully alive. In fact, it's 27 or 29 times. If I had more notes, I would remember. I think it's 27 or 29 times in the ESV. It specifically talks about Jesus stealing away to a desolate place to take care of it. Tempted in all ways that are common to man, yet without sin. Don't get it twisted. He was fully God, but he was fully man. He had a flesh nature that he had to take care of, that he could not indulge. 40 days, he goes into the desert, 40 days and 40 nights fasting. And at the end of that, when he is the most spiritually alive, the devil didn't wanna beat him up when he was weak. He wanted to go at him when he was at his prime. So Jesus, counter to maybe what you think, was not all weak. He was his most spiritually alive he had ever been. And the devil comes and tempts him three times. He's like, you, nope, it ain't gonna work. Why? Because he spent 40 days taking care of it. Taking care of it. Showed us how to be fully alive. Constantly stealing away to a desolate place. It says, immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever and immediately they told him about her. Immediately they told him about her. Immediately. It's like Jesus had this powerful day in church, emotionally pouring out, the spirits moving through, demons are being cast out, he's preaching with authority. And just like, I imagine him wanting to go to his place and just kind of kick his feet up. He, had, he needs to rest, he was human. And when he gets there, somebody's sick. In fact, his best friend's mom is sick. All I was trying to do was just get away. And guess what? Responsibility followed me. Anybody? It seems that everywhere I go, somebody needs me. You have a long day at work and you get home, you're like, I just can't wait to rest. You walk in the door and daddy, 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 daddy. You're like, I am so present with you right now and so glad to be home and that you exist in this house right now. What do you need? I saw a butterfly. You're like, wonderful. <laughs> Simon's mother-in-law ate with a fever and immediately told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up and the fever left her and she began to serve them. Okay, now maybe we can get a little bit of rest. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. the day that doesn't end. They're like, oh, is Jesus there? He's, they're like, yeah, he's inside. They're like, um, we got like all these demon-possessed people out here. Can he come out and play? Like, can Jesus come out? <laughs> and here's what Jesus did not say. It's been, it's been a long day. They're gonna be possessed by demons tomorrow. Like, all. <laughs> it's, What, is, what does he do? Well, here's what scripture says. The whole city was gathered together at the door. 
what were they doing that everybody was demon-possessed and sick? <laughs> Seems like a horrible place to base your ministry, Lord. The whole city was gathered together at the door. And then verse 34 says, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he wouldn't permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Okay, well, that's the end of the day. Jesus is 100% taking a mental health day the next day. And hear me, I'm not, against, I'm not against that at all. I'm just saying that what Jesus is about to do and we're gonna see is stunning. And it's the same, very same thing that you have access to. And the reason that the world is trying to sell us this, I would say, they, I'm not saying that they have any bad intentions. They just don't know about this new nature that's available by the, by the Spirit. And so they're doing everything they can do to keep this thing that is passing away, to keep it on life support. And it is dying and passing away. But that's all they know. So why wouldn't they? That is why the power of the gospel is so important and why your life out there is so important because you can introduce them to a new nature that will actually deliver on everything their soul craves. So here's what Jesus does. The very next day, the very next day, Jesus is like, I'm going to the zoo. That's not restful. I don't know why I said that, but here's what it says. Um, rising very early in the morning. Some of you are like, I'm out. <laughs> rising very early in the morning. While it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. He prayed, he prayed, he prayed. What was he doing? He was taking care of it. And, and scripture says that um, they found him. The disciples, they searched for him. Why were they searching for him? Because this was the beginning of his ministry. It's Mark chapter one. They don't know his rhythm. They don't know his routine. So they went to look where they thought he might be and he wasn't there. So they're searching for him and they find him out in a desolate place doing what? Praying. And they go, hey, um, everybody's looking for you. I just had a day yesterday. Can you just let me breathe? No, check this. Here's what Jesus says. They say, everyone's looking for you. And Jesus goes, I know. Let's go to the next town that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out here. Here's what I know about you, is that you have responsibility that you cannot escape. You have people depending on you. You have people that need you. You got friends, you got kids, you got employees, you got students, you got coworkers. Here is the power of self-care, caring for the spirit, for your new nature. How can I know the difference between, am I caring for my spirit or for my flesh? Here's a great question to ask yourself. Am I coming out here to escape my responsibility? Am I going on the trip to escape? Or am I going on it to refresh so I can re-enter? Is it only an escape? How can I know? When I get back from the golf course, am I excited to see my family? Did it fill my tank so that I can re-enter my responsibility? Or am I thinking about my next tea time? That's the way I can know. Or whatever your thing is, the thing itself is not really so much it's that important as what am I using it for? 
And if I'm truly caring for my spirit, I'm getting out early in the morning and I'm praying, you know what I'm gonna find? I'm gonna find something better than the world could ever, could ever promise me. It's gonna be better. Jesus is a better word, Hebrews says. He's, he's, he's a better high priest. The gospel is a better sacrificial system. That's basically the whole book of Hebrews. Jesus is better. He's better. So when, when I'm out there, it's so that I can re-enter full. Because you got people depending on you and you have access by the, by the presence of God, you have access by the, by the Holy Spirit into a place where there is fullness of joy. Not some fleeting moment, but fullness of joy. Joy, check this, what scripture says, joy unspeakable. You know what that means? Joy that I cannot even describe to you, that is not based on my circumstance, that's not based on the pressures that I'm feeling. It's just the fruit of the Spirit when I'm taking care of it. You know what I have access to out there? Something better than the world could promise. I get peace that goes beyond human understanding. You know what I get? I get love out there where I'm fully known. Everything is laid bare before my Father. And He is like, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And if I don't steal away in the morning to take care of it, I forget that. And so I can do the thing, but I'm still stressed and I'm still anxious because I forgot. Because these natures are at war with me. So if you don't know what to pray, pray Psalm 23. Just pray Psalm 23. What would I even say? Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. You know what you're doing? You're taking care of it, baby, because your flesh is screaming, you need more. And he got a boat and they got it. You need, and, and, and your spirit is saying, no, but he's Jehovah Jireh. And he is my, so if I don't have it, I don't need it because I lack nothing. You know what you did? Bow, 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 bow. He leads me in the, in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me by still waters. Your flesh is saying, everything is breaking and falling apart and the world sucks. But your spirit is like, wait a second, no. No, no, no. I'm lying in green pastures and there's still waters here, but my flesh doesn't have access to that, only my spirit. Oh, that's right. And, and, and he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And your flesh is saying, you're not gonna be happy until she gets fired. But your spirit is going, wait a second, he prepares a table before me, even in the presence of, of my enemies. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're with me and your rod and your staff, they come for me. And surely the goodness of God will follow me all the days of my life. I took care of it. I took care of it. It's better. It's better. It's better. It's better. It's better. It's better. Can we stand? I wanna pray for us. Maybe you're here today and you would say, Pastor, I wouldn't consider myself somebody who follows Jesus. We're, we're gonna pray together. We're gonna give you the opportunity to say yes to Jesus because everything that I talked about here, it's not just like positive mental energy and 
You know, just put it on your vision board and let the universe manifest it in your life. This is, I'm talking about you have access to something you never even knew was possible. Somebody that invited you here today, you thought they were inviting you to a church service. They were inviting you to a miracle you didn't even know you could have. That's why your invite is important. It's not just come to church with me, it's come to a miracle that maybe you didn't even know you had access to. So maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I, I wouldn't consider myself a Christian. Like I, if I asked you, are you at peace with God? You wouldn't know how to answer that. But maybe you have tried all the ways and you've led your own life and you've done the thing and you keep finding yourself every six months, every five years, you find yourself back in the same spot. I just wanna tell you that there's an invitation into a kingdom that is upside down and is so other. And the reason that anytime you hear somebody talk about it, your soul starts to, to like, your soul starts to long for it is because that's what you were created for. So we're gonna pray. Most of us in this room have probably prayed something like this. But if you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I need Jesus, or maybe you've walked with God before, but your heart's grown cold toward him. Maybe this is your first time in church in a long time, or maybe you're finally ready to say, God, I, I relinquish lordship to you again. I'm gonna ask you to be bold. And in just a second, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand in front of all these people, not to embarrass you, but Jesus said, if you will not be ashamed of me before men, I will not be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. If you'll acknowledge me before people, I will acknowledge you in heaven. And we wanna celebrate you and we wanna pray with you in this faith step. So if you're here and you're saying, yeah, that, I want to come alive to that, that new one, yes, sign me up. Let the Holy Spirit start to work in my life and, and breathe into me and breathe through me. If you're saying, Pastor, I need Jesus, that's me today. Wherever you're at, bold faith step, I want you to raise your hand as high as you can. Touch this ceiling in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Team, team, I hope we're seeing this. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, come on, yes, yes, yes. Come on, keep those hands high. Keep them high. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. Say, Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I know that I've sinned and I need you to come into my world. Be my leader. Be my Lord. Make me brand new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and use my life to build your kingdom. Come on, in Jesus' name. Well, church, Shed, come on, let's praise God for new life.